The financial dads are not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, tax or other advice in or by virtue of this podcast. Hello, welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Hello, Paul. What's going on? How you doing today? Uh, doing fantastic. Uh, another busy week under my belt. Uh, went into the city uh, a couple of times. Um, and I think we talked about this on a previous podcast. Um, it's getting busier and busier, um, at least where I am. Um, there's a lot of people uh, scrambling for conference rooms and seats are filling up. There's more people in the cafeteria in the building, more people on the street. So that's good. And then next week I'll be traveling for the week. So um, looking forward to that, getting in a plane, meeting some colleagues. Um, so um, I think that will be uh, a different change of pace. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing well. Just uh, doing my thing with home, kids, family, you know, uh, work. It's all, it's all good, actually, right now. Just uh, trying to uh, keep my head above water, looking at different things. Uh, quick side note, uh, we should maybe do an episode on some of these things, Paul. I, I always think about them as we're doing the little banter back and forth here, but something called I-bonds. Uh, so I looked at that recently. It's pretty interesting. The government has a government treasury bond that is tied to the CPI, so the Consumer Price Index. So as inflation goes, so does this bonds return, which is kind of neat. Um, there are caps on it as to how much you could do a year. So I guess from financially speaking, that's the most recent thing I did. Oh, very cool. Always learning, which is a good thing. I love it. Um, today's podcast is with Jonathan Rosenfeld. Uh, we are going to talk to him about business leadership, coaching, and professional development. But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. Okay, so this news story, um, I think we've talked about it many, many times. It's from CNBC, the topic, I should say, we've talked about it many times. Uh, Georgia just became the latest state to require personal finance education. Um, so it's a short article. We'll post it on the Facebook page. Um, for me, Paul, when I read it, um, I'm glad to see that it's a, glowing tr a growing trend. It looks like there's upwards of 13 states that are currently locking this in as curriculum for their high school students. Um, I'm still struggling to see why it isn't mandatory in every state. I could say anecdotally, my son, uh, who is a senior in high school, he had an exercise that he had to go through to kind of predict the future look at what incomes would look like based on what he's looking to do as a career and where he might want to live and start researching rents. It was kind of an interesting exercise and his numbers were pretty spot on with what he thought his future would look like post-college uh, from a financial perspective. So I thought that was interesting. So his school is talking about this a little bit more, but I, I still struggle to see why it's not mandatory in a lot of schools. Um, Paul, what was your thought on this story? Uh, again, like you, Paul, I'm really happy that it is a growing trend. Um, just recently, Florida passed a law making it requirement. Florida is the largest state by population that now will be requiring it. Uh, so that's good. And that they actually talk about this foundation or this organization called Next Gen Personal Finance, so NGPF.org. And there's a whole lot of information on there. You can actually even see what schools require it. So a lot of states offer it, um, but when it's offered, it's not taken frequently. 
So to your point of requiring it, that would be great. And it doesn't seem like it's just a U.S. problem. You know, I was looking at some stuff in the U.K. The U.K. has some stuff, but it's not required. It's covered in different ways. Um, New Zealand, Australia, I didn't do too much on Australia. New Zealand is somewhat similar. Uh, Germany, Germany's interesting in that they don't, I couldn't find anything that they required it, but they have um, ingrained in their culture. It's interesting. The word guilt and debt are the same word. And so they're very anti-debt. Uh, uh, so this way they can use their funds for retirement in the future. But it seems to be a global thing, not just a U.S. thing. But it looks like that pendulum is shifting, Paul. And, and we, we've been talking about this for a long time. And it's great that it is shifting towards more and more requirements. Uh, I guess one other point is some of the states in the southeast, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, some of the ones who are known to have, um, you know, horror type states, generally speaking, they have much higher rates now of adoption of this, 100%, I think, for Mississippi and so we'll see. It's probably going to take a generation to see the impact of some of these things, but hopefully we're trending in the right direction. Very cool. Very cool. Well, with that, uh, we'd like to now welcome to the podcast, Jonathan Rosenfeld. Jonathan is the founder of Rosenfeld Injury Law Lawyers, LLC, where he has managed to consistently grow his business uh, in the wake of additional competition and headwinds from the COVID-19 pa pandemic. Um, at a time when other law firms are struggling to stay afloat, Mr. Rosenfeld continues to expand his law practice into emerging areas that help stabilize his revenue in uncertain times. Um, today with him, we'll, we will discuss business leadership, coaching, and professional development. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. No, this is great. And we did have some, you know, a little bit of dialogue before the show this morning to kind of prep. And, and I love the, where we're going to dive into today, you know, kind of the business of, of, of law, not so much the law itself, but talking about how to run a successful business. Um, and this could be something that could be applicable to attorneys, to doctors with their own pra practice, dentists, electricians, plumbers, anybody who wants to uh, have their own business that has that specialty skill uh, where you focus on building the other things around that to make the business successful. So uh, we're looking forward to talking to you today on that. So maybe you could tell us a little about a little bit about yourself and your journey. Sure. Uh, well, I, uh, you know, born and raised in Chicago, uh, and I, I went to college in Pennsylvania. Went to the fantastic Lehigh University. Uh, with graduated with a journalism degree, which my parents said, "That's great. Now what?" Uh, <laughs> and in the absence of really any, uh, you know, uh, corporations banging down my door, uh, pleading for my, for my assistance, I decided to follow their suggestion and go to law school. Uh, went to law school in Chicago, went to Chicago Kent college of law. And frankly, I, I really, you know, wasn't really that interested in, in law school itself. Uh, you know, I just found it sort of know, a little, a little dry, a little boring, uh, but nonetheless finished it out, grinded it out. And uh, then my parents said, well, that's great. You graduated law school. Now what? And I said, uh, I don't know. And they said, well, how about a job? <laughs> and I said, well, okay. And graduating from a, you know, middle tier law school with a 
mid-range GPA. Again, I was not having law firms banging down my door. Uh, so I, I actually wound up clerking at a personal injury firm and, you know, just sort of luck of the draw. And it actually was a fantastic fit for me. Um, I sort of, I quickly realized that frankly, uh, the law was a business, uh, as opposed to, you know, in, in law school, all you talk about is theoretical things and, you know, you really don't have a, a concrete application and, and ultimately, they don't really teach you the how to make money. Um, and I quickly, you know, learned in the field of personal injury that, you know, there was a, a need, obviously, to to help people. But really, there's also a tremendous opportunity to go out and get business, you know, and work on the cases. And, and that sort of was the beginning of, of things for me. So early on, I realized that, you know, hey, this is the kind of work that I could do. Uh, I was not chained to a desk there. Everything's on a contingency fee. So there's no hourly billing. Um, there's no incentive to just sit at your desk for, you know, a career. Um, you know, I was in court, I was doing things, but, you know, quickly I realized, you know, Hey, in order to be successful, um, you know, I didn't have, you know, some people in personal injury, they have connections with unions, they have, uh, connections with other, um, sources of business, I didn't have that. And I realized early on that if I was going to do this and have some success with it, I would have to go out and get business myself. And, you know, I've done different things. I've done, you know, old school yellow page ads, I've done TV, radio, but ultimately everything sort of wound up on the internet. Um, and that's sort of where I am today. So today I run uh, a law firm in Chicago. Um, we handle all different types of, you know, personal injury type cases from the you know, traditional auto accident, slip and fall. Um, but we also handle a lot more uh, complex cases, um, a lot of mass tort cases increasingly. Um, and all of these cases, for the most part, you know, we do, obviously, we love referrals from old clients who are satisfied and everything. But ultimately, we're, you know, we're really pushing the internet marketing aspect of things. And that's sort of what, you know, I spend a lot of time obviously running the practice and everything, but I also spent a lot of time on the business side of things. And that's sort of what I juggled day to day in addition to uh, my family. So it keeps me pretty busy. Wow. That, that's great insight. Cause we, I, I think a lot of people just think, okay, it's a lawyer, right? I, I go get a lawyer. Just like you go to a doctor. And as Paul Fagan was saying, right, that the business side of it, and you were saying is takes up a lot, right? So, I'm trying to think of this. So if you're doing the cases and not hourly, you have to kind of figure out how much time I'm guessing you figure out, can I go, how much effort time do I have to put in to this case and you win some and you don't. Right. So that, that's got to keep you up at night a little bit or how, how yeah, do you manage I, I, figuring that out? Right. It, it, there's no doubt. I mean, that's, that's part of the, uh, that's part of the gig. I mean, there's stressors involved with everything. I mean, ultimately, you know, we're very good at screening cases. You know, you have to be, you know, I, th I think it's, it's a complete falsehood to say that, you know, Hey, um, personal injury lawyers are just, you know, out to, you know, scrape up anything they can and they'll take any kind of case because the truth is, is that, I mean, I, I really don't see very many cases, if any, uh, where people are getting paid a substantial amount of money where there is not 
a very legitimate case with very legitimate injuries. So, you know, I think mm. the days of, you know, maybe, you know, maybe watching a movie where you see someone with, uh, you know, in a bump and bruise auto accident, who, you know, collecting a, a check for a million bucks. Those are days are really, you know, I, I, I've never seen it. I, I wish I did, but that's the truth is, is that <laughs> you really have to be very selective with your cases. Um, you have to get good cases, you know, uh, I, I sort of joke, you know, you, you could be the best lawyer in the world, but, you know, you can't, if it's a garbage case, there's nothing to do with it. Um, the better lawyers, frankly, get better cases and they're able to maximize the value on it. So we really focus on getting those, you know, higher value cases. And ultimately, you know, no matter what anyone says, it is a numbers degree, uh, numbers game to a certain degree where you have to get, you know, whatever, I don't know what the numbers are. You know, you have to get 50 calls to get one good case. You have to get a thousand calls to get a really good case. And those are numbers that, you know, you have to sort of recognize um, no matter how, you know, sophisticated your, your material is, your content is on your website, you're going to get a lot of people who are just calling for garbage. And, mm. you know, as a business person, you know, that's just how, that's the nature of the beast. Uh, I would rather have people calling than not calling, but the truth is, is that, you know, we have to, you know, screen the cases. We have to be selective because at the end of the day, you're right. It is a contingency fee basis. Um, I want to make, if I'm putting time, effort, and money into a case, I want it to be a success. Um, running a, a, you know, a law firm where you're taking, you know, iffy cases is a disaster. Um, you know, ultimately you have to take, there's no such thing as a, a slam dunk, but you have to be selective from the get go because otherwise you're just going to spin your wheels and really not have a lot to show for it. So you said something, I, I caught a word there, if you don't mind. And well, I think a lot of people think, well, you're, you're just, what you're putting in is your brain power, right? You're putting in your time, but you said you're putting money into a case. Like, so I, I don't think that's really thought of much. So what, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, everything's done on a contingency. So, and to give you an idea, you know, so we only get our fee is based on ultimately recovery for the client. But mm -hmm. in addition to the time that we spend, we actually spend quite a bit of money, both invest, you know, investigating an initial case. Um, for example, in a medical malpractice or nursing home case, we'll request the medical records from the facility. We will review the, the records. Sometimes we'll, you know, we'll have a doctor or nurse or both review the records. Um, and then sometimes we say, we're sorry. It's not a case we can help you with, um, you know, early on. But, you know, right away, just to get the medical records on some of these cases, we're talking, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Um, and then if a lawsuit's filed, you know, the litigation fees to file a, a lawsuit and take depositions and hire expert witnesses and everything, it can be very substantial. I mean, a, in a complex case, we can have $100,000 plus um, in just out-of-pocket expenses plowed into that case. And we only get those expenses back when and if there's a recovery. So um, that's, you know, ultimately, you know, we are very, when we take on a case, we're very sincere uh, about getting a recovery and we're very much our interests are very much aligned with those of our client um because 
at the end of the day, it's like a, it's like a marriage, you know, you know, if, <laughs> if we're, if we're not both successful, you know, uh, neither of us are. So, um, that's just, you know, that, again, that's just another part of the business that people may not realize. Yeah. And I think what, yeah, this is all fascinating stuff. And one thing that I keep thinking about is, um, is from your business perspective as, as an attorney, you have to manage your business effectively. And that includes advertising, investment, operational costs, accounting, all these different aspects of the business that um, you signed up when you got out of law school, you know, to be an attorney, right? And now you have to wear all these other hats as well. And I have a number of friends um, in different industries and in different areas, whether they're a doctor or um, own, a, own a, a body shop or an electrician or and they and I know some very successful ones where I think at some point they move away a bit. They have to balance the hands on versus the management of all these different aspects of a business. And, and I, I guess my question for you is how did you kind of, you know, how did you realize you had to do that? And when you started to do that, have, has it taken you away from your core competency or has it, you think enhanced it? What, what do you think is kind of the, uh, maybe it's two questions there, but love to hear your thoughts on how you figured out you need to be more of a businessman than an attorney in some aspects, but also how do you, keep your hands on the core business practice as well as handling the rest of the business. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, it's a lot. And frankly, you know um, you know, we were talking before we, we, we started, you know, at, at least, at least when I went to law school, which was now 20 something years ago, uh, there were no classes on how to run a law firm or how to get business. They just teach you the sort of the nuts and bolts of practice of law. Um, and I realized, you know, early on, you know, Hey, I worked at, you know, uh, some law firms and frankly, you know, the, the base salary for most personal injury lawyers is, uh, a smidge above, uh, minimum wage. And, you know, you realize very early on that if you want to be successful in it, in that type of work in this field, you better, you know, basically bring in your own business. There's a tremendous incentive to bring in your own business and maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe that things have changed or whatever, but, uh, you know, again, 20 something years ago, when I first started practicing law and I was working for, uh, for a law firm, um, I was, it was a real wake up call. Hey, you know, Hey, do you want to have a, a, a very low salary and, and be, you know, just a, uh, a cog in the wheel for the rest of your life? Um, or do you want to, you know, sort of, you know, steer the ship and, and take sort of more control of your, your success or your failure. And so early on, I don't know, maybe I, I didn't pick up much in law school uh, and I'm not the smartest guy around, but that was just a, a concept that really was uh, ingrained on me early on where, Hey, you know what? You better get off your ass. You, you, you better go hustle because if you don't, you know, you're just, you know, you're just not going to have any success. So that was just something that I, that I picked up early on. I didn't realize all of the, you know, intricacies and all the different aspects of things, but you know, you, you sort of pick those up as you develop and as you learn. Um, but ultimately I've really, really, you know, realized, you know, Hey, you got to get the business. You got to put energy into the marketing side of things. Um, I do, I hate accounting. I hate a lot of these other 
you know, areas and I delegate all that stuff. Frankly, I am not, uh, I'm not a detail oriented person. I don't like that stuff. I have no interest in it. I can go on and on and on how much I hate certain things, but at the end of the day, I do love the business side of things. And I do love, you know, the fact that, you know, Hey, I love coming up with ideas about how to differentiate my law firm, my business from other people in the industry and how I can sort of grow that. Um, and I've been very fortunate, you know, because, um, I do have people who help me with some of these other areas that I really have no interest in. And I can sort of focus my energy and time into, you know, different aspects of the, of the marketing. And in particular, you know, we've really put a lot of energy and time and, and money into internet marketing. And, you know, there's different, you know, we can talk about internet marketing all day and night, but at the end of the day, um, you know, we've spent a lot of time doing content. Um, we do pay-per-click and we do, there's other, you know, there's a zillion different ways to, to skin the cat with internet marketing, but we really focus our time and energy into developing content. Um, but, you know, as far as time goes, yeah, it's, that's a huge time, uh, time suck. You know, I spent a lot of time, you know, I'll, I'll go to work during the day and I'll, I'll, you know, I've got attorneys who, who work for my law firm and everything, and I work on cases. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we're not getting those cases, you know, they're not just showing up at our door. Uh, people aren't handing it, you know, handing these to us on a, on a silver platter, you know, we're, we're out there, you know, getting the cases and that's something that, you know, it may not be for everyone. You know, the truth is, is that it's not, this is not something that, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's great that you do that. And, you know, I want to do that. And then they start, they may, you know, dabble with it and they say, you know what, it's just not for me. I'm not willing to either do the work or take the risk or put the money into it or what, whatever it is. And that's fine. And, you know, I think it's important that people recognize, uh, you know, it, there's different, there's different ways to do things. Um, but, you know, I, I, it is sort of a, just a nonstop, uh, you know, cycle where you have to just keep going and going and going because that's the nature of the field. You know, if you're not, when you're, when you're, when you're resting, some other guy's working, you know, and mm -hmm. you got to just, you know, keep going. Yeah. And I don't you know if that answered I mean, your question. Is, yeah. No, this yeah. is fascinating. And it kind of ties to, you mentioned the word success quite a bit. And I, I love that in terms of, you know, what is your definition of a successful business? And then what advice would you give to another attorney or business person who's looking to expand their business so they could be successful? Definition of success. I don't know. Uh, I'll know when I get there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> no, I, 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 I do think that, it, you know, I think that ultimately, you know, money aside, I think it's sort of having control over your, your destiny, over your, you know, your day, your life. Um, I, to me, that's probably, that's a very important thing. Um, I don't like to be accountable to others, frankly. Um, I like to sort of do things myself, um, for better or worse. That's just how I've been for a long time. And so that's something that I put a premium on, you know, as much as, you know, the revenue. Um, but you know, as far as, you know, if, if I, you know, if I were to tell people, you know, someone, Hey, if you want to grow your business, um, there's a zillion different ways to do that you have, you got to find something that works for you. Um, you know, what I will tell you that, you know, I've tried different types of, of marketing at the end of the day, 
dollar for dollar, hour for hour, I'm getting more of a return. And I feel like I have a lot more control over uh, doing stuff uh, on the internet, um, in particular on my websites. And so I, I invest, you know, a lot of time, you know, we have a, a team of writers who, you know, write content. Um, it's not, it's very well planned uh, content. It's not like we're just doing scattershot, you know, oh, you know, car accident, car accident, car accident. You know, we actually look at the, you know, search volume for specific terms. And then we develop content around those terms. And we, uh, you know, and I've learned this the hard way. You know, I've, I used to sort of do the, you know, spin your wheels, spin your wheels, spin your wheels, and just throw out content. And it was, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it was effective. Uh, but in today's world, um, you have to really have a, a laser focus on content and creating content that both resonates with people, but probably more importantly than anything is, is getting content that people, you know, are actually searching for. If you're, if you're developing content and people aren't searching for it, well, it's a waste of time. And that's something that sometimes a lot of professionals sometimes may have a difficult time, um, acknowledging that maybe what they, you know, think is important or put a premium on is not necessarily what their potential customers or clients are, are, are looking for. Wow. That, that, that's actually really interesting. It, it, I came up with two questions here while you were talking, one of which I wrote them both down so I didn't forget this time. Um, one of which was how much time would you send how much time would you say you spend running the business versus practicing law? Probably 75 or 80% of my time is, is running the business. Uh, wow. That's a lot yeah. higher than I would have guessed. You know, again, in my mind, you know, lawyers, are lawyering, I guess. Right. So, you know, 75, 80% substantial. Yeah. I mean, uh, and honestly, when I, a lot of times when I'm sitting, you know, when I'm, if I do do a deposition or go to court or something, which, you know, I do that with less frequency now than I, I, I used to, but when I'm, if, you know, I was in a deposition last week and I, I couldn't help but think to myself, I'd rather be doing, <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather be doing X, Y, and Z. I'd rather be, you know, out there, you know, um, making calls, you know, to other people, you know, working on the business because, you know, that's frankly a better, it's a better use of my time, frankly. I mean, there's a lot of really, in every profession, there's a lot of very, very bright, um, very competent professionals, you know, or tradespeople or whatever it is, uh, who can, you know, if I may be, I, they, if I may not, you know, I may be very good at taking a deposition, but they can probably do it, you know, almost either as well, if not better than I am. Uh, and so that's what, you know, what I try to do. I try to put, you know, my, my focus where my, and again, I'm not saying that I'm the best at anything, but I tend to, you know, be better at that than other, other areas. And I think business people need to recognize their strengths and their weaknesses. So how does one go about finding out what search terms people are using? Like, do you have a tool for that? You, you're I, not going to give us a secret sauce? No, or no, 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 no. I mean, I, you know, I, th I think it's a, you know, I think it's a great, it's a great question. I mean, 
if you first off, there are so, I do use some software. Okay, uh, you know, I, there's a program Ahrefs. Uh, you know, you can I don't know, I don't know how much it costs. I think it's a few hundred dollars a month. I mean, there's so much material that you can look on and get from that data that you can get from that program. And 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 increasingly, you know, I look at data more than anything. You know, I'm a like I like I told you before. Hmm. I mean, I, I was I was very average in law school, and I. I tried, you know, I've always sort of been, you know, a little bit of a contrarian uh, in nature where, you know, I sort of thought, you know, hey, my way is sometimes better. But at the end of the day, data doesn't lie. You got to follow the data. And it tells a story. It's everything. And so I've really in the past couple of years, you know, really hunkered down and really just started doing deep dives into data. And so you can do you know, you don't have to have a program. You can look at, you know, type any term in on Google and you'll see, you know, I, I think for like 80, 90% of the search results now, they have people also ask. Um, right there, if you're a locksmith and you want to do, uh, you know, develop content and you want us to do lock replacement or whatever, they, if you type that in the Google search, they, they're going to have some, terms that people also search for. They may search for how much does it cost to get a lock replaced? You know, what, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what's the best lock, you know, there's all these different things. And if you st- keep going down that rabbit hole, you'll start seeing that, you know, and so you can start right there. Um, and then you can start looking at, you know, if you want, you can go into different programs or whatnot, but, um, that's an easy way for anyone to start, getting that process going in terms of developing content that's on point with what people are looking for. That's great advice. That's great advice. Fagan, I think you said you had, you might have something there. Yeah. Yeah. No, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about the good old yellow pages, which some of our listeners might not (laughs) even remember. Um, There's been a big evolution, right? In terms of, like you said, going from, you know, um, you know, you would cable advertising, which I guess is still there yellow page ads, stuff like that. The, the, the field has changed dramatically. And for you, um, I guess at some point you had realized that the, the internet's going to be the, you know, the answer to really expand your reach and, and such. So, and there's probably a lot of people out there looking to run small businesses, start small businesses. Um, what's some advice you could give them where to start, right? I know we talked about digging into the data and some of this other stuff, but like, how would you say, you know, for, you know, someone who owns an electrical business, he, you know, he or she has one van and they're looking to expand their business. How could they make their presence really known using internet tools based on your experience? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the number one thing is to just at, from the beginning, you know, to put a, a priority on that, you know, a lot of times and put a priority on it put aside a certain chunk of time, okay, whether it's 15 minutes a day or an hour a day or what an hour a week or whatever it is, put aside a chunk of time and dedicate that to, you know, whatever type of marketing. Um, that's probably the first thing, you know, and you have to realize that it's, it, it's, it's a process. You know, if you start doing something today, you will not see results as disappointing as it may sound for, for weeks or months uh, after the fact. Um, you may see immediate results. If you do, God bless you. Uh, you have a lot more luck than I do, but the truth is it's just a, it's a process and you have to make sure that you invest in the process and you're committed to the process. But if you're a small business owner, I guess, number one, I think that the 
probably the most important thing aside from a website or anything is to get your business on, you know, Google my business. Um, because that really is sort of, you know, I guess the easiest way to have an immediate impact. If, especially if you are in a, a service field, uh, and you are going against, you know, you're looking at your local market and you want to start, you know, getting after it, um, claim your Google, my business listing, uh, put, fill out all the fields and then start getting reviews from, you know, uh, clients or, or from customers, um, and really start putting energy into that. That's number one. Number two, you know, if you do have a website and I would hope that people do, because frankly, there's no excuse not to now, uh, they're so inexpensive and relatively easy to do. You can get a WordPress website, very cheap. Um, is to start developing content and, you know, whether you develop the content, when I say developing content, I mean, content can mean pretty much anything it can mean photos. It can mean videos. It can mean, uh, podcasts. It can, but at the end of the day, the, you know, today in today's day and age, uh, the written word is still probably the most important. Um, and so you have to start writing content and, you know, also before you even get started, look and see what your competitors are doing. What do they have? If your competitors got a, a page with, you know, 500 words on it, you know what, go out and do 700 words, 800 words, a thousand words. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's very primitive, very caveman like, but that's, uh, a lot of times how, you know, things sort of get going. So, you know, put aside the time, put energy into it. And I, I think even before you start doing that, do spend time researching, you know, a lot of times I'm, I'm guilty of it as much as anyone, but a lot of times I'm just eager to, you know, go, go, go. And you've got to plan and you got to look and you got to plan. You got to think before you start taking action. Very cool. Yeah. I can't even add any more to that. That's fascinating. I'm going to love listening back to this uh, podcast when we post. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. And, and, and you talked about, you know, farming some of this work out, whether it's internet stuff or, um, you know, uh, some of the accounting, whatever that is. Um, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you look for when you're building business relationships with others and, and what types do you rely upon in order to make your business successful? What are, what are some of those common characters, whether it's an accountant or, um, you know, social media expert, whatever that is, I don't know what they are, but how do you build that inventory of, of, uh, and that virtual team that you have, you know, have at your disposal to help you? Interesting. Uh, a lot of trial and error. Um, you know, honestly, I, I've, I've very fortunate that I've, I've got, you know, sort of a team of people now, but I, these people were, you know, it, it, and again, I, I've always put a premium, frankly, on effort and, um, sincerity, a lot of times above intellect, uh, or because I always find that people who are just genuinely committed, uh, even if they're, they may not have the, you know, most prestigious resume, uh, if they're in, you know, committed to whatever the task is, whether it's social media, writing, whatever, that's the kind of person that I want to work with, um, long-term. And that's the type of person who, will be around long-term. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, so I always put a premium on that. Um, as far as finding people, what I typically do is I'll, sometimes I will hire two, three, four people 
to do a, a, a similar job. And right away, I can usually tell, I can usually discard one or two of them because I can just see that they're not either into it. They're, you know, it's just, they're, it, whatever it is, they're, you know, they're asking questions which are completely off base. You know, they just don't get it, whatever it is. Maybe a lot of times people are late, you know, they're, they don't get their stuff done on time. That's just, that's something that drives me crazy. Um, and I'm not going to work well if they're not getting their stuff into me early on, we're not going to work well together long-term. So I'll hire multiple people to do a similar task. And ultimately, you know, I may get one person. If I, if I hire three or four or five people, I may get one person and I'll work with that person. And, you know, ultimately it's, it's a process, you know, I'm, you know, I've got a lot of flaws and, and one of them is I really, I, I tend to rush through, uh, communication. And sometimes I don't give people the feedback that they need because I'm always in a hurry to, to move on to the next, next task or whatever. And, mm -hmm. you know, if someone slows me down and says, Hey, you know, I, what do I do about this? As much as I, you know, am hesitant to, to stop whatever I'm doing, uh, it's important that they learn to do that. And they, because otherwise, you know, we have a, a pile of work that's not done the way it needs to be done. Um, so whatever it is, you know, I'm, I'm just sort of big on, on loyalty. I'm big on, you know, people who are committed and I'm big on just, you know, people just showing up, uh, you know, it sounds real like basic, Simple. but you know, <laughs> look, if you're not showing up, you know, you're not, you're not doing anything. And if you're not, you know, putting the time in, you know, it's just, you're probably not someone that I can work with long-term. Um, you know, and I, I don't expect people to be nearly as invested in, in my business as I am. Uh, but I do expect people to, to show up. Well, there are two kinds of showing up, right? There's physically being there and then there's actually being there. Right. So you're right. You're right. You're right. But I, I tend to see when people are just, you know, it, it, when they're late all the time, when they're, you know, looking at their mm -hmm. phones, you know, it's just not someone I want to work with. No. So on that same thread there, um, you know, people showing up late and, and not there or, you know, maybe not as invested, even, you know, you're paying them as they should be. Right. What, what do you think is wrong with the current office setup and, and culture for some of these professional shops like yours? You know, <laughs> It's, it's tough. Uh, you know, I, you know, frankly, I work out of my house two to three days a week. Um, mm. I don't go into the office every day. And that's something that I was doing long before COVID was ever a, a term in our vo vocabulary. Um, I just realized the inefficiencies for me of going downtown, going to my office, you know, saying hi to people all the time, going out for lunch you know, taking the train or driving back. It was just, there's a lot of inefficiencies for me. <clears throat> and so, you know, I tend to, you know, be more productive when I'm at home. But the truth is, is that a lot of times people today, in, and, and again, I, I'm sure there's some fantastic young talent out there, but in today's day and age, it just doesn't seem like a lot of people want to put the effort in that's needed to be successful or, you know, move up in their job. They're, you know, I see people today, especially younger people in particular, who have, you know, the sort of an attitude where, hey, 
you know, I, I went to law school, you know, you should be, you should be happy to have me here. Um, and that attitude to, for me is a complete turnoff. Uh, and that's something that I would, <laughs> I, I never had, uh, frankly, because I don't know, I, I just grew up in a different age. Um, but there's a lot of people today who just have this expectation that, you know, things are coming to them and that they are entitled to, you know, five weeks vacation or what, I don't know how many weeks vacation they expect, but, and they expect, you know, <laughs> all these like little perks or whatever. But the truth is, is that those perks come with success and putting the effort in. If you want, look, if you're, if you're doing your work and you're, you know, and you're doing what I need you to do, I don't care. Go out and take, you know, go out and take all vacation. Okay. But when I call you or when I text you, you better respond pretty quickly in the middle of that vacation, because if you don't, you know, I, I just need people like that. So I don't know if that really doesn't answer your question, but I guess it, it's very difficult right now. I find, especially with younger people to find people who are going to be, you know, show up rain, uh, rain, snow, shine, whatever the, whatever happens and do their job. Um, a lot of times people just think, yeah, you know, I'm not feeling well. I'm not doing it. Well, you know what? Suck it up and do it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. And that kind of ties to, you know, you know, what do you think? Why do you think people are so, so many people are unhappy? And do you think it's the younger, the older? Is it everybody? Like, what do you think is, is making people be this way in terms of, I, I, we, I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of, you know, showing up and being present, uh, being in the moment, uh, you know, having readiness and being available, all those different things. I mean, I think you're talking to some very like-minded individuals on this, on this podcast, right? We, we come from that uh, background, right? Where, you know, you, you need to be plugged in, you need to be present, you need to do your work, you need, need not to be late, you need to be, you know, appropriate for the right situation. So, you know, why do you think people are unhappy? You know, why, why is that tied back? I'm just curious what your thoughts are. I, you on know that. what? I, I, you know, I'm very, look, I'm very, very fortunate in that I, I sort of, uh, to a certain degree, I operate in a little bit of a bubble. Okay. Uh, I, I try to surround myself with happy people uh, who are, you know, I always say I want to be the dumbest and poorest guy in the room. Uh, and I'm very fortunate in that, you know, Hey, you know, I, if you surround yourself with people who are sort of out there, you know, entrepreneurial successful it's you know success tends to breed success and you know that's a huge thing that i've always believed and that just gets you know inspires me and you know gives me energy and everything else but as far as why people aren't happy i don't know we can go we what we can either go there's a zillion different directions to take i mean maybe they're 50 50 pounds overweight or fifty thousand bucks in the hole i i don't know i mean i <laughs> you know, there's, you know, and, you know, and, 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 and they're looking yeah. at their phones. So as far as why people are unhappy, those are some of the reasons, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, I think a lot of times people are unhappy because they feel like they have no control over their, their daily existence, their lives. And I think if people did have more control, they would at least feel a little bit happier. They would be a little bit more content. You know, I think happiness is almost sort of a, you know, it's a passing uh, feeling, if you will, uh, you know, contentness, you know, we can, I can be happy for, you know, I'm generally, you know, I think I'm pretty happy and satisfied, but I think you gotta be content, contentness or, you know, whatever the situation is, is more than, uh, 
is more of the goal, I think, than, than happiness, you know, to be, I can be happy sitting on the couch, you know, what, uh, eating chips and watching Netflix, but that's not really <laughs> going to, you know, be, uh, uh, you know, lead me to contentness and, and ultimately satisfaction. So, you know, there's a zillion different reasons that can go on and on and on, because I do think that that's a huge problem as a society, uh, just the overall unhappiness. Yeah, I, I think we're all like-minded in, in a lot of that, right? So uh, I, I think we're getting close to the end here. Uh, thank you for your time. But I have two other questions for you, two more. Sure. And, and, and they're sometimes harder ones. How's that? What uh -oh. would you say, yeah, right? What would yeah. you say is the biggest financial mistake you've made? Hmm. Aside from not investing in Apple or Google 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> well, I think a lot of us could say that one, right? <laughs> not everybody, though, apparently. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know. I really don't have that many financial, you know, uh, regrets or mistakes. You know, I, I think, honestly, I think it's important that you, you know, you take risks. Um, you take risks and, you know, you sort of go for it because, you know, have I, have I lost money on things? Of course. I've lost money on investments. I've lost money on you know, business, you know, ventures, I've lost money in real estate. Um, but I don't regret doing that. Um, I regret, I, you know, I, I feel, you know, look, I, I, you know, I've, I've tried it. Um, maybe I didn't get it. Maybe it was bad timing. Maybe it was just, you know, bad luck. Um, but I think it's really important to just take chances to a certain degree and, and sort of give things a go. A lot of times people are like, well, I want to, I wonder what this does or wonder what that does. If you don't try it, you're not going to figure it out. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I love that one. Um, and then I have the last one. One more. All right. Uh, what would you say is the best single piece of advice you've received? Uh, I don't know. If I've, I don't know if I've got people <laughs> trying to think here. Uh, you know, I, I guess. I guess. You know, honestly, I think the the probably the biggest misconception that that I, I never really got this advice, but I, I guess if I were going to give advice to anyone, I, it would be not that I, I'm in a position to necessarily, but I would always say that, you know what, people always, you know, assume successful people have some supernatural talent or, or, or skill or whatever. And the truth is, and I see this all the time, the most successful people, they put the most work into it. And most people drastically underestimate the amount of work that it takes to be successful. They see mm. pictures on Instagram or they see, you know, uh, you know, whatever, a friend or relative or whoever it is who may be successful, but, and maybe they're, you know, sort of looking at them from the outside and saying, Hey, you know, he or she, you know, they got a good, uh, they seem to walk on water or whatever it is, but those people are putting, I've never really seen anyone who's very successful, who's not absolutely killing themselves um, work-wise. So uh, whatever effort you're doing, I would just say, you know what, keep grinding. <laughs> you know, it's not sexy. It's not fun all the time, but that's the truth is that that's, you got to put the work in. That's great. Thank you for that. I, I love that piece of advice. And I think with that, we'll jump into our summary recap. Um, 
So for me, I think it came down to one of the things you said is others are working while you are sleeping, right? You said that at some point in the conversation. <laughs> and for some reason, that is sticking in my mind, right? And that kind of ties back to what you're talking about grinding it out, right? So it's not just about, you know, you have to be aware that others are working and you have to be on your game and you have to grind it out. Um, Paul, what was your takeaway? And then we'll give Jonathan the last word. Uh, sure. Uh, I, I wrote down three things here, Paul and Jonathan. Uh, one, running the business actually takes most of the time. Again, tying it back to what we were just talking about. Um, I also like to clean your business in Google, get the reviews going. So back to actually growing the business. And this whole conversation reminded me of sort of a quote, like well, what is what is really wealth, right? What, what is wealth? And, and I don't know why I got there, but I did. And the quote was something around, I'm probably butchering it here, right? Time is a real wealth. The time and the flexibility to do what you want or need is real wealth. So grinding it out to get that free time to do those other things. So that's kind of where this conversation led me. Um, that's where I'm at. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And Jonathan, I, I think there's a book in your future. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. think so, right? You, you definitely have it. No, no, I seriously, you definitely have a, I think a niche um, perspective. Uh, yeah, perspective on this business of business, right? No, no matter what field you're in, um, having that business lens. But any last minute advice, and please let us know where people can find you and any any, yeah. any final takeaways. No, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I joke because, you know, Paul is, is hit the nail on the head. You know, I, I think that, you know, ultimately being waking up and having, you know, the flexibility to do what you want, you know, sometimes doing what the, what you want is not necessarily doing what you should, but having that flexibility is, you know, it is great peace of mind and just being able to do things when you want to, is really, it's the best. And anyone who says it's not, you know, is fooling themselves. But uh, now, um, you know, I guess, you know, again, it's it's just it sounds real primitive, but you just got to roll up your sleeves and just put the work in and bust your ass and, you know, sort of, you know, do what it takes to to be successful. Um, you know, obviously there's problems with everything, but, you know, get address the problems, hit them, move on and 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 keep going. So, um, you know. Not the not the most uh, eloquent uh, way of, of uh, business uh, advice or anything, but you know that's sort of how that, I'm the caveman. Uh, that's how it goes. <laughs> but uh, you know, if anyone's got you know interest in learning about the fantastic field of personal injury law, please visit my website RosenfeldInjuryLawyers.com. Look me up on uh, YouTube, um, Rosenfeld Injury Lawyers. We also have some amazing podcasts, personal injury podcasts on all of the uh, platforms. It's called The Personal Injury Podcast. Very original. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, thank you for, for having me. It was fun. I loved it. Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks, Jonathan. And we have a favor to ask our, our listeners. Please go to YouTube and search for Financial Dads and please subscribe to our channel. We would really appreciate it. Um, with that, well, Paul and Jonathan, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks everyone for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, 
But that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you. <laughs> <laughs>